0: Welcome to the Upper Ninety Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. As always, I'm Justin Ruderman, but I'm joined by our brand new co-host, Abby. Introduce yourself.
1: I'm Abby Anderson. I'm a City and USMNT fan. I know a lot of people uh, that follow the channel probably already know me from my guest appearance, mm. but I'm happy to be joining full time.
0: So happy to have Abby on here. As he says, he's a USMNT and City fan, um, but he is extremely knowledgeable about USMNT. Also has a channel USMNT Dawn, uh, specifically devoted to USMNT. So if you're a fan of that, definitely check it out as well. Um, But Abi, you are a City fan, as am I, and we have to start off with our game of the week. It is Liverpool versus City at Anfield, and I was back in time. We went to the pub together, watched it at eight thirty in the morning. Um, you were up for the early ones at the pub, not not me, (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, but this game was, was it worth going out to the pub for?
1: I mean, city game's always worth going out to the pub for, but it was a painful one for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously city lose one nil at Anfield, um... You know, the and goal was obviously disallowed for a pretty soft yeah, foul. What did you think of that call?
1: I thought it was a pretty poor call, and I believe Bernardo in a post-match interview had summed it up pretty well that the ref was letting a lot of stuff fly, mm-hmm. and so it's very strange to go back and say, oh, well, there was technically a foul here, even though I haven't been calling this kind of foul all game, we're going to call back the goal. I thought it was pretty soft, but... You have to deal with
0: it. I think just that's... AR. Yeah, that's the problem with VARs a lot of the time, right? Because technically it is a foul, but it it's not in the flow of the game, right? And so if you look at it in an isolated incident in slow motion on, on replay, yes, it's going to look like a foul, but it just doesn't go along with the way that their game was being reffed, um, which, you know, I, I agree with letting them play generally, especially in a big game like this. Um, but it was Cancelo's mistake that... Yeah gave Sala the way in. He turned him basically at midfield and was just in 1v1. Anderson had saved 1v1 earlier in the game, played well, but you can't ask him to save it every single time. Salah slots at home. What were your thoughts on that play?
1: I mean, just really awful defending by Cancelo. I don't know what he was doing, but it was also really tough for us as a team because you know, that comes off of a De Bruyne cross on a free kick that... If he had sent, you know, a few yards this way, Holland's get on the end of it and mm-hmm. probably puts in the back of the net. But instead, Allison's able to claim it. A quick kick down the field. Cancelo just really bad positioning, challenging that, and is able to turn and just get another one v one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just to me as as a last defender that you know you're the, you're the fullback, but you're the last defender on when you're going attacking. You cannot bite on these you know, balls in because either you have to win it straight out of the air, which Cancelo knew he wasn't doing, then you believe, you have to, number one, have faith that Salah's gonna bring it down, and number two, have faith that you can defend him, then, immediately one-on-one, instead of just giving him a couple yards. If he brings Nickert down, great. If he, if it, bounce if he lets it bounce and go over his head, then you already have a couple steps advantage on him, and can recover in time, hopefully. That's how I would defend the situation. I don't think Cancelo, uh, did very well, but, um, Obviously, there was a lot of talk about how well the Liverpool center backs played. You know, locking down Holland and this and that. But for me, at least, they weren't that great. It was I was more impressed by Milner than I was by either of the center backs because yes, they did play well. Don't get me wrong, but they didn't completely lock down Holland. He had a couple chances, including a pretty wide open header that he put straight at Allison. I think, you know, he had his chances. They just didn't go in in this game. Um, you know Holland generally doesn't need many chances, but this he just didn't go in. It does, It's not going to go in every single game, right? Mm-hmm. But I thought Milner was really, really good. Uh, obviously, a much more physical defensive fullback than Trent Alexander-Arnold is, who by the way I thought was injured. What happened to that Klopp? Um, but he was he was locked out. I mean, I thought Foden would exploit him. Bernardo was playing more on that side on the left wing than he was on the right wing, and he was a right winger. I tactically this game was crazy, obviously, because I yeah. couldn't even... I can't even tell you what City's formation was, right? <laughs> uh, it was, seemed like a three-back at some times, but it was just a mash-up, um, which proves by Bernardo being all the way on the left wing, and just... Milner did very, very well, I think. Almost put on an island. I mean, he had help from the center backs, but Robertson didn't have much defensive work. It was all Milner.
1: Well, I, I have to give it to you there because I don't expect much from Milner in the first place, so... I guess by relativity, he did pretty well. Um, and also, you look at Liverpool's game plan was just having two or three people in Holland at all times. And he still had a few chances. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that was an extraordinary job by the center backs because they had to use two of them to lock down Holland the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that game really needed that sub a lot earlier somebody to come in on the wing and change how the game was played yeah you know, i love alvarez coming in but he shouldn't be coming in at the 89th minute right i think he's a player that could have affected that game for the better if he was put on a lot earlier
0: yeah i think i think we were both saying that at the pub we we're like can we get some subs pep what is going on but of course there had to be drama at the end klopp had to get himself sent off i'm probably just complaining as usual to the refs um and then of course the the Liverpool uh statement was it the next day or or whatever um condemning the city's support for chanting uh, you know about uh Hillsborough and chanting murderers as it seems every club does um when they go to anfield uh no no worries about pep being pelted with coins that's fine um but you know logical chance about your your terrible history is a problem i I don't get it. I'm personally not a fan of the murderers' chant. Um, when I was at the Merseyside Derby, they Everton loved to do it. Um, I've heard it from multiple fan bases at Anfield. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the chant personally, because I, I think you know most of those people who were, were part of that are not even alive now. They're not Liverpool fans. It's a completely different fan base. It's a little bit unfair. Um, but at the same time, understand your history and don't get mad at opposing fans for that. I mean it's it's just banter what are your thoughts
1: i mean yeah i'd say you know it's a it's a bit dramatized there's no need for it but also like yeah it's not as big of a deal as liverpool tends to make it out to be yeah um, and then yeah pep was just really concerned you could tell by the coins for sure <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah a little comment after the game saying they didn't hit me but they'll be better next year They'll they'll try again um yeah, but like I mean, that's that's worse to me than just words. Like you're actually throwing coins at Pep. Um, but a, another game that we watched together was in the Champions League. It was uh, Barcelona and Inter Milan. I mean, what a game this was! Obviously, Dembélé got the first goal. Uh, Barella, beautiful, chested, and finish in the 50th minute, and then Lataro gave Inter a 2-1 lead, and it felt like, okay, they finally gained control after going down 1-0, and that the game would calm down, but instead, the final 10 minutes were absolutely insane, were they? Leva, Gosens, and Leva again within 10 minutes, uh, 82nd, 89th, and 92nd minute, before Inzaghi, of course, gets a red card in the 97th, cherry on top of the madness Um, but Barcelona barely keep their Champions League hopes alive in this one.
1: Yeah, that was just a crazy game because as soon as uh, Taro had scored and Inter was kind of controlling it at 2-1, you're starting to think, wow, is Barcelona already out by game week four? Mm. And just out of nowhere, Llewa scores. And so you're like, all right, well, you kept yourself alive. Gosen scores. Oh, it's over again.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Out of
1: nowhere, Llewa again scores. So it was just crazy in the moment just thinking oh Barcelona's hopes and dreams are literally living in this match you know in their home stadium and it's just yeah it's just the tidal wave of yeah I think (laughs) I I
0: think when Gosen scored I tweeted something to the effect of oh that's a fitting way for this game to end or something like that Um, and then Lewandowski had other ideas obviously Um, but it it was an interesting Champions League game week uh, Liverpool of course, before they went and beat City at Anfield, they absolutely battered Rangers 7-1, including a five-minute hat trick from Mohamed Salah. I mean, how do you even score three goals in five minutes? That's insane.
1: Well, well, I I think I know somebody who might be capable.
0: These were three hat-tricks in eight games. I don't know, about five minutes. That's just insane. Yeah, I mean, maybe Liverpool are getting their mojo back. I mean, getting that huge win and then beating City, obviously, at home, um, keeping their title hopes alive, really. I mean, still on the edge. but
1: I, Yeah, I would say that they're definitely doing a lot better than how they started the season but we'll see how much of that carries over mm-hmm. because Liverpool has tended to you know beat bigger teams and then make terrible slip ups so True. will they be able to keep up the consistency and keep up this form or was it just the excitement of how big Liverpool City has become as a match in recent times and are they just going to crumble again we'll
0: it's a good see. point it's a good point yeah uh, before we move to america uh we obviously are are prem focused in europe but el clasico has to be talked about uh real madrid going and beating barcelona 3-1 pretty comfortably obviously we were mainly watching the city uh liverpool game during this time um but thoughts i mean it seems to me like this is the time where madrid are okay they they built some distance i'm surprised barcelona have kept pace with them honestly so far um but i guess la liga is not that difficult. Um, even though second best league in Europe shows the gap to me. Um, but regardless, I think this is when Real Madrid will start to ascend and create a gap in La Liga. Because I think it's pretty common that uh, that people think they're going to win it.
1: Mm. I mean, it's just about Barcelona's defense. Mm. Look at that back line. Especially without Araujo there. It's just really dreadful. Huge and every loss. time they have a big game... Whether that's their Champions League game against Inter or this El Clasico, like defensive errors all over the place, just really lazy defending. And you can tell from that backline that whatever they're trying to do there is not working out. And they really need to invest in some more quality players in the defense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think O'Raho is a huge loss, as you say. Um, we know as city fans, if you have Eric Garcia as your starting center back, you got problems. Um, but yeah, no, I think Madrid uh this is the win they needed to kickstart really uh widening that gap um but we can go to the mls um because we had the mls playoffs started right uh we last week we didn't have an episode and so we didn't get to cover uh how the season ended and all that but laFC obviously we knew won the supporter shield won the West and then Philadelphia did clinch the east and they got a bye um which set up you know a few quarterfinal matchups uh first up was Cincinnati against New York Red Bull uh, obviously Cincinnati's first playoff game they finished wooden spoon last place in MLS the three previous years their first three in MLS uh, finally they make the playoffs and They get their first win in the playoffs, uh, in their first game, fantastic for them. Uh, I think it was a deserved win as well. They had the better chances, especially after Lewis Morgan came off. Um, Obviously he scored that absolute stunner um, to to put New York Red Bulls up one nil. But after that, first of all, I don't know why he's coming off. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like in the 50th minute, you're gonna take off your best player in a playoff game like even if he had a knock or whatever you leave him on he has to be playing and you New York Red Bulls were just not the same with him off the pitch um you know since he's had a goal that was rolled offside they clear one cleared off the line by Red Bull they were creating the better chances uh and deserve to get the 2-1 win in my opinion so really big win for them after a really poor start uh in MLS obviously could they be that Cinderella story this season
1: We'll see. I mean, they're going up against a pretty tough team in Philadelphia, so... Exactly. be a very interesting test for them. If they can get through Philadelphia, they have a legit shot, I think.
0: Exactly. It does set up uh, going to Subaru Park and facing the winners of the East, who have been absolutely incredible this season. Um, but another game that would decide who plays the number one seed in LAFC was the LA Galaxy hosting Nashville, and it was boring game really i mean there there were a couple chances but it was nashville sitting back defensively like they do against teams who like to possess like they did in on decision day against lafc uh and they found one nil lead one nil win on that game but this time it was galaxy finding the one nil uh win uh obviously arajo getting the goal but they deserved the win uh as did cincinnati you know they uh created a goal chicharito got one but it was ruled offside Um, or handball or something like that. Um, but to me, Ricky Puj has been the difference maker for Galaxy. Ever since he has arrived, they've been much better team, much different team. Uh, his numbers are off the charts. And Chicharito obviously is the one that's going to get all the plaudits, all the talk, because he's scoring the goals. And yes, his resurgence has been huge. Partly, though, that's been due to Ricky Puj. But just overall, Ricky Puj runs a game, um, and I expected him to be a really big addition, and he's proving to be so far. So that obviously sets up the El Trafico but at the bank. Um, very big one. That's <laughs> <laughs> big as it gets, doesn't it? Uh, and this same, same situation in, in a Western Conference semifinal uh, in 2019, when LFC won the Supporter Shield, they faced Galaxy. At home, right? 5 3 was the final score of that game. It was an insane game. I don't expect a, a similar game this time. Um, but LAC also had a hangover in the Western Conference final, then uh, lost to Seattle at home. But can they find a way past Galaxy? Obviously, who've been, you know, so they've struggled away, but at home, not so much. Uh, can they find the way through and then not have a hangover again? Because obviously, LAC are the favorites to win. Uh, the league but uh Austin have another thing to say about that don't they because they have been fantastic this season uh and they beat I will call them your RSL since you are are Utah uh, your that's a, as as much as you support MLS that is that is your MLS team uh and so what happened because the, they completely crumbled i mean Cordova the header in the third minute, and then fourteenth minute he scores the penalty to up two nil in Austin, and feels like oh Austin are crumbling at their first chance of a really big game for their club, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they just couldn't get it done. But instead, Sebastian Driussi, that man who I voted for for MVP because I think he is was even better than Mukhtar this season. I think he's just incredible. I uh, think you take him out of Austin, and and they're in shambles really. Uh, he. Does basically the same thing that Cordova did, the the same header, and then uh, after Rubin is sent off for the first time in his career, by the way, uh, for that second yellow coming in late on Brad Stuver, Drusi got this penalty equalizer in the 94th minute to make it 2-2. Uh, I mean, this was just insane, right? A handball to it felt like RSL were just gonna hold on. They they did this, it felt like last year in the playoffs, right? They would just hold yeah. on and find these weird wins. It felt like they might be able to do it again, but they give away the penalty. Driusi scores the penalty. Uh he even scores a winner in extra time. It's ruled out though for offside. Um and then of course the shootout comes, Brad Stuver comes up big, two saves in the penalty shootout. Austin wins 3-1, and they are still alive finding a way back. From uh, two one, sorry, two nil down. Um, after you know, since showed them the way how to do it first, Austin coming back and showing their fight.
1: Yeah, it's a just a crazy game, and I think it's kind of been a pattern with RSL for as much as I've followed them, mm-hmm. which hasn't been that much, but I've been able to <laughs> tell that they've struggled to really form an identity, mm-hmm. and most of their success, especially in the postseason, has just come from let's try and hang in this game and maybe something will happen instead of trying to exert a play style. Yeah. And yeah, they're just going to have to figure it out because they're just sitting in this bubble area where they might make playoffs, they might not, but it's not really ever leading to anything. And mm-hmm. so there's some real uh, issues that need to be fixed at so before they ever have a chance at winning it all. So.
0: Yeah, I think so too a team that I never really thought would be in the running, but they are, Montreal. Yeah. Uh, they beat Orlando 2-0 very comfortably, Kone and Milhalovic. Um I mean, this is the year for them if, if they're gonna do it, right, because they're yeah. losing a bunch of players at the end of the season, including yeah. Uh, and they just, basically, they've, they've already dealt them, but they're just like, let me try and win it this year, let me hold on to them yeah. until the end of the season. Um, And it's working, I, I mean, very comfortable win against Orlando. I think they're a very quality team, one that uh, people might not realize how good they are, even though they finished yep. second in, in the East. I still think they're underrated somehow. Maybe it's just my perception, but uh, a team that could catch people sleeping and go and win a cup.
1: I mean, all of Montreal kind of is. Mihaljevic has been underrated with the USMNT as mm-hmm. well, not ever mm-hmm. really getting a chance despite it's true. being pretty quality. So... Yeah, it should be interesting to see what Montreal could do because they could have the right tools to give everybody a surprise.
0: Yeah, absolutely could. Um, but, yeah, we will see. It's going to be very, very exciting. Um, but with that, we can move on to the Ballon d'Or, which is the the ceremony just happened. Yep. And so I can get your live reactions of the <laughs> winner. It is Karim Benzema. What? <laughs> Uh, it was expected. <laughs> it was expected, of course. Um, but he does. He does deserve it. He does deserve it. Oh, I, I should mention, by the way, the the reason that we haven't discussed uh, NYCFC versus Miami uh, and Dallas versus Minnesota is we are recording on Monday. Those will happen tonight. So by the time you see this episode, you will know who the winners are. Um, I would expect uh, New York City and Dallas, but yeah. Minnesota more likely to. Mount uh, an upset than Miami, I would think, but you never know with Iwain, his his retirement. You know, he, his last <laughs> game potentially. Who knows what he's gonna want to do? Um, but yes, it is it is Karim Benzema mm. winning the Ballon d'Or. The final four were Benzema, Lewandowski, uh, Sadio Mane, and Kevin De Bruyne.
1: Mane finishes second, De Bruyne third, and Lewa fourth.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I'm I'm fine with that. I it's i'm glad kevin de bruyne is getting his credit obviously um but it's funny to me how little liverpool fans seem to care about losing the second best player in the world according to the ballon d'or right like the, everyone's like oh it'll be fine it'll be fine i've been trying to tell people it's not fine second in ballon d'or it uh, is very impressive for Sadio Mane and well-deserved he had a fantastic season Obviously Ballon d'Or for the first time ever being awarded based on the season rather than the entire year um, Which is a little bit of a change and I think a positive one I think it benefited Karim Benzema as well in the situation um, Courtois winning best goalkeeper uh, Lewandowski winning the best striker, but it really it's just the most goals, right?
1: Yes, it was, uh, I believe, most goals combined for club and country.
0: Right, so while he's, that, it shows you that goals are not everything, even as a striker, yeah. right? Um, and then Gavi winning the Golden Boy at 18 years old, fully deserved, I mean, starting in Barcelona, playing well, um, fantastic for him. And then, of course, Manchester City <laughs> winning the Best yeah, Club course, Award, Best Club in the World. I mean, you can't argue with that, can you?
1: I, I will say I'm, I'm pretty surprised because France football seems to love their Champions League winners. Mm. But, you know, they, they found the right option this time.
0: That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, they, they do give a lot of awards based on that. Obviously, Courtois, Benzema, they both smashed the Champions League. Did well in the league, of course, too. But it was really the Champions League that they were so incredible in, both of them. Um, but, yeah. City Best Club Award. No no way to argue with that. Uh, but yeah, Benzema fully deserved. I think everybody knows it. Um, next year it'll be Holland. Yeah. yeah. There we go. All right. And the Miller Award as well. Yeah. Yeah, of course. course of course. Um, but with that, we can go to our moment of the week and your first moment of the week. So tell us what yours was. So.
1: Initially it was actually going to be the ridiculous delay in the Arsenal Leeds game. <laughs> I had actually showed up to the bar earlier with a bunch of Arsenal fans there, actually wearing my Leeds kit, but really I was I like both teams. The aronson kit to, <laughs> yeah. to be clear. The Leeds aronson kit of course. Um However, everyone in the bar wasn't very pleased when they announced after about a minute into the match that they had to delay it due to communications issues. I think it was a power outage. Nice. Um, Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. But I had to switch mine last night because I found out there was an even more ridiculous delay this weekend. (laughs) In the championship, whole city hosted Birmingham. And it was delayed because the goals were too big so they literally had to take the goals out from the ground and saw two inches off of them to make sure they were the right size it's just absolutely ridiculous i don't know how that even happens it has to be on
0: purpose you can't do that on accident (laughs) like that that has to be on purpose by the club to To try and make it a little I bit guess bigger. has
1: been hitting the woodwork a lot. I And they had to make it a little bigger for themselves. That's
0: so interesting. I mean, you obviously switch sides at half, but it's like, if you know that okay, this one's a little bit bigger. You know, put it in the corners. I. It's, that's not something you just accidentally have a goal. That's the wrong size. It doesn't make sense to me. Know. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. Two two ridiculous delays in one. You get you get a two for one in your. Um, Moment of the week, but no mine. A little bit closer to home, LAFC supporter shield winners, uh, as we discussed. Uh, But it was the the trophy celebration was at home after the loss against Nashville, unfortunately. Um, But it was a a fantastic celebration with uh, everybody involved. Uh, It was my first year covering the team, obviously, and so it was fantastic to be a part of that celebration. They didn't let us go on the pitch. I was talking to my uh, my colleague and she was like why aren't they letting us all, all the photographers get to go and, and be part of the celebration i want to go touch the the supporter's shield um but yeah no it was, it was still great to be a part of uh an incredible moment for lfc second in in 5 years um but yeah I, I wasn't there the first time obviously wasn't covering the team at, at that point but fantastic moment and hopefully there can lift another trophy this season as well
1: we'll see there's some there's some tough teams rising up right now so but LAFC are definitely the favorites. We'll see.
0: Absolutely, and their will that first week
1: off affect them though.
0: That's that's the question. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm glad it's not a full 14 days, right? It's just mm-hmm. a 10, um, which I think is beneficial because we play on the Thursday uh, rather than the Sunday, which I think is 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 very beneficial uh, for LAFC to not have too big of a break, but enough of a break to be re- rejuvenated. Um, but we will find out, and it will be our game of the week next week. El Tráfico. Uh, I will be there at the bank covering it. Uh, So, obviously, I'll, I'll give you live coverage of that, but we will also discuss it next week on the podcast. See you then.